I don't want to talk. Breaking Beige is the journey of three 30-something mums trying to figure out who the hell they are post-babies. We can't be the only ones who feel like this. Who the fuck are we now? Just a mum is wearing thin. We want more. Finding our strengths, ditching the activewear and washing our hair. This is the journey of how we will gain our self-worth back and inspire you to do the same. Break the beige. Be a hot bitch. I don't want to talk. So yeah. today we have a very special guest. We've got Micah Allen on from Femme Nutrition. Uh, Micah is a women's health dietitian. Um, she is here to teach us the power of nutrition for hormone health. Uh, Micah is a registered dietitian and she currently works on long-term conditions. conditions. Dietitian in the community. Got it. Yeah. Nailed. I nailed that. <laughs> You're welcome. What an intro. No, it's so good to have you here. We've had so many people asking all about uh, perimenopause and hormones. We constantly talk about how hormones run our lives uh, and how they make us feel. So, yeah, we're really happy to have you here today. Mm. Thanks, guys. Stoked to be here. Yeah. And I guess just before we crack into the questions that some of our listeners have sent in, um, just wondered, yeah, if you could give us a bit of a background and intro on who you are and what life's like for Micah. Yeah. So I have grown up in Taranaki. I actually grew up in Stratford. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm from, Openaki. Yeah. I'm from Openaki. I yeah. knew we had a connection. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, went to Dunedin and did uh, my undergraduate. So three-year Bachelor of Science majoring in human nutrition. Then finished that. Went to Auckland, Massey University, and did my master's, which was two years um, of placement, so clinical placement in hospitals and like public health settings, and writing a thesis, which is a bloody slog. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, <laughs> and then one of my placements was actually at Northland Hospital, which at the time, if I'm being honest, was pretty gutted that I was assigned there. Um, but ended up friggin' loving Northland. Got my first job there working as a renal dietitian, so with kidneys yeah. <laughs> wow. um, people yeah. on dialysis so was wow. doing that for like a year and a half and then planning on going overseas moved back here for a month um still, so he's still here sucked into the necky vortex now um <laughs> covid yeah. so then covid happened and ended up getting my job that i'm in right now which is long-term conditions dietitian um in the community but I've always had a real passion since I graduated for women's health and I feel like it's such an untapped area. Um, And it was actually funny when you called me, Gina, and asked why, what got me into women's health or like hormone health and nutrition. And I was like, um, selfish reasons. Yeah, yeah, 100%. (laughs) I'm a woman, I've got a period, I get PMS, selfish reasons. But I think... um, the more I learned about the topic, the more I felt passionate to like share it with mm. other women and share how, you know, how amazing hormones actually can be. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah, for like sure. Like the benefits from them, they can be good as well. Yeah, as yeah totally. And like, I guess, obviously, um, being a dietitian, like the power of nutrition and lifestyle on our hormones and how yeah. it can affect our everyday lives as mm. well yeah 100% yeah I'm definitely keen on learning more because I know um even with the skin yep. so at yeah, the salon yeah. huge so I see someone with big like you know like cystic acne or something like that and I'm like 
Like mm. a cleanse is not going to help this, you know, like it's deep. And, it's deep yeah. and we talk about hormones heaps yeah. and there's like, I only know the very surface of it yeah. and it goes so much deeper, you know, so it affects every part of the body. Totally. Um, so yeah, yeah, interested to learn more. Same. I'm excited. <laughs> and we've got Kate. Kate's sitting over on the couch. <laughs> we miss you. She's either <laughs> she's either taking sneaky photos of us or she's on Instagram. <laughs> we don't know. Both. But we love you, Kate. She's here. She's here. Um, awesome. So shall we um shall we crack into some mm-hmm. of these yeah. questions? Yep. Wicked. Um right. so thanks everyone who sent questions in. Um yep. the yeah, they're really good and they're really well covered off and there were a few in there that I would really like to know the answers to as well. So yep. um we'll just get into it. Yeah. So number one, would you recommend a natural hormonal supplement, for example, New Woman 30? Yeah, so I, if I'm being honest, I haven't actually looked into New Woman 30, but there are a lot of supplements. I mean, obviously we try and do diet, nutrition first, yes. but sometimes there are room for supplements. And I guess that's where working with a health professional um, yeah, agreed. can agreed. definitely yeah. like identify where those gaps might be and based on, you know, what you're experiencing, whether it's PMS or, you know, perimenopause symptoms or whatever it might be you know, there might be an appropriate supplement that could help you with symptom management or feeling a bit better or getting regular cycles or whatever the issue might be. So there's definitely room for supplements. I think on that supplement note, supplements are not regulated. So that is you know, so like crazy. crazy. Yeah, so you can, you know, they could be from any form of any dose of, you know, like whatever claim they want. So it is being mindful of that with supplements too. And I guess that's where I would encourage people to like work alongside a health professional because mm-hmm. um, it's, yeah, just taking them willy-nilly. You're probably not going to get the, you know, like the therapy benefits that you're after and you're probably going to waste your money. Wild waste out there. Yeah, but you look at the row. There's like a whole flipping row in the supermarket of crap. Yeah, It's crap. And then you like, even you go on to, I don't know, when you look at all those supplements or you go on to like a health store with the supplements, it's so overwhelming. And then you're like in there thinking, shit, do I need to be taking all of these? Like, Mm. you feel like. Yeah, you might just actually need to go and get some really good quality protein fruits and vegetables yeah, right yeah. like that might be but a bit yeah of, like yeah. Uh, they definitely have a place but it's knowing like what kind of what dose yeah. what form how much yeah all of that is really important mm-hmm. otherwise yeah they might be a waste of money yeah that's actually a really good answer and I think we've talked before on the podcast about how sometimes you just need to find yeah, like one or two or whatever works for people, like one person who you really trust mm. and they're invested in you, they know your background, mm. like with the skin, mm-hmm. you know, and actually, yeah, work with that person who kind of has that intricate understanding of your health and your well-being and, and where you want to go. So mm. um, I guess that's where you come in as well and you do online consults. So yep. good to good to note and, yeah, obviously real hard to answer a question that's like, oh, I don't, like is yeah. this supplement good because you don't know that person's background? So, yeah, and yeah. I think as well, like in a dietetic assessment, we go through everything, like yeah. medical history, blood results, medications, any supplements mm. that you are on, your diet history, social things like routine and work and family because that plays a huge role. Yeah. Um, so it's difficult to answer like quite a specific question mm. about someone without knowing the background. The full of background. That. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think supplements can play a role for sure. Yeah. Good answer. Good answer. 
Absolutely. Do you want to ask the next one, Renee? Yeah, I do, but I want to go straight to the rage. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is probably a question for, like, further down, but I'm like, oh, I need to know that I'm not a complete crazy person. <laughs> Can you is, diagnose this me? This like, <laughs> such a good question. How do you decipher between mum rage and a hormone imbalance? Yeah, I saw that one. I'm like, ooh, hard question to answer. <laughs> it's like a bit of a broad, but, like... I think um, just quickly like running through because it's um just to set the scene a little bit of like what's actually going on with our hormones if we look at the menstrual cycle just very briefly and then get on to what happens during perimenopause yeah so day one of our cycle being day one of our period both like all our hormones are relatively low at this point each month our brain will release a, a gland in our brain called pituitary gland which is does lots of endocrine things in our body, will release hormones called follicle-stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone, and they pretty much tell our ovaries to get, like, revved up, like, let's, let's go. Like, let's, let's go, babies. <laughs> so, uh, what was that again? Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I read that so many times. Is that a professional yeah. term? I say this to my clients. Study? <laughs> learn that in my master's. Um, <laughs> Um, she like yeah. entered her paper and it was like, let's go, <laughs> let's go hormones. Oh, yeah, so um, pretty much tells our ovaries to get started. Um, and they're the essentially like the precursors for the more well-known like progesterone and estrogen. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, tell our ovaries to get into it. Each month, most of us know that we're born with all our eggs Yep, like our egg reserves. So each month our body will like go in, grab an egg from that reserve to ripen up, to ovulate. When we ovulate, the estrogen peaks. So our estrogen is peaking. The benefits that estrogen has when it's at that higher peak is it's very intertwined with serotonin. Most of us know what serotonin Mm -hmm. does. It makes us feel really good, makes us feel happy, increases our libido, Mm -hmm. makes us feel... um, probably like a bit more confident. We feel pretty good around this time. Yeah. When you think about it, if you think of like evolution and... <laughs> I'm like, what day is this? <laughs> what day is that? Um, that happens when you're most fertile. <laughs> Ovulation, babe. <laughs> it does. So, <laughs> I think when we think about like uh, evolution and instinct, it's like the most natural thing ever to mm. reproduce. Yeah. It's essentially like the hormone that's helping us do that increasing sex drive, making us feel really good, feel really confident, feel really happy in that tiny mm. little window that we're fertile. So, so like when I – sorry, this is very all like, oh, me. Yeah. When I ovulate, I don't get any pain during my period. I get it when I ovulate. Like I literally feel like I can just feel the egg. Like, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. Some women will – painful. Some women will feel ovulation pain. Some women will have no don't idea. Don't feel it. Yeah, right. But, um, so that's where you're at your peak. Yeah. And good to know. <clears throat> apparently you smell good to other men too, right? Mm. It's real instinctual. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah, sounds about right. I mean, when you look at all the other things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing as well that happens with that peak in estrogen is estrogen makes us, um, well, helps us to metabolise carbohydrate more efficiently than yep. other times in our cycle. So um, essentially it's just making us, we can, we're better at utilising our food as fuel which can sometimes act as like a slight natural appetite suppressant. Yeah. So once we ovulate, um, estrogen will begin to drop and then progesterone begins to increase. Um, Also, I I suppose like once you ovulate, one of two things are going to happen. You're either going to have a fertilised egg or more commonly 
it's not going to be fertilised <laughs> and the oestrogen will drop, the progesterone will pick up <clears throat> and progesterone has its own raft of benefits. So it's like the calming hormone. It makes us feel super calm and content, has like a natural anti-anxiety effect. Um, it's also the thing that keeps the endometrium lining stuck to the walls. Um, so, you know, just talking about those things, oestrogen's e- got its own benefits, progesterone's got its own benefits mm, as so cons. <laughs> yeah well yeah. well I think the cons is when they drop away yeah so they do really good both of those things are amazing both of those hormones are amazing as we near our period um if you go back to that idea that progesterone is the thing that keeps the endometrium stuck there mm. we've got to get our period at some point so progesterone's got to drop away and that is then when the endometrium will fall away and we'll get our period. That's the blood. When we think about so those... Um, you make it sound really awesome though. <laughs> like you're making ovulation and periods sound like so great. But I think when we think <laughs> about like those benefits that come with those hormones, it's actually the withdrawal that makes yeah. it shit, right? Mm, so hormones come down. Yeah, mm. so progesterone makes us feel really calm and that anti-anxiety effect, we can usually handle stress a little bit better during that yeah. time. You're essentially having a withdrawal from something that makes you very calm and content, which right. makes sense when we think of things like PMS, when we feel really irritated and tearful and moody and like rocking in a corner. It's essentially <laughs> yeah, like, mind. so I think mind. <clears throat> so it's actually the withdrawal of those hormones that are leading to not the actual hormones. That's themselves. just yeah, that's yeah. literally like the end. That's all I need. <laughs> That's all I need to know. Like, that is so incredible. Don't you think it's such a shame it's not explained so well? Like, I mean, maybe yeah. it is now at school. <clears throat> no. Like, even when you're younger. Yeah. It's so, like, like, the it's big so poorly idea. explained. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just, we could just three put holes. that into a video, play it, and save <laughs> Everyone's the embarrassment. Sussed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think when we think of perimenopause, um, what happens is progesterone begins to gradually decrease. Yeah. Estrogen is more erratic. So it's like every month our body's going into that reserve and some months it might not find an egg. It's getting harder and harder because that reserve's getting lower and lower. So it's like our body's going in, it might not find an egg one month so we don't get that peak in estrogen and we can't get the progesterone without that peak. So then it has that flow-on effect again from not having those You've literally just simplified the whole, (laughs) yeah, amazing. You can cut in. So that would be, um, you can have a period without ovulation. Um, It might be lighter and shorter, but usually when that starts to happen is when we'll begin to get those irregular periods. So you might get a period and then you might not have one for two months and then you'll have three and then you'll have none. You know, and it'll start to be. um, (laughs) And because, um, yeah, like that gradual reduction in progesterone um, might be that first sign, some some women might not notice it, but going mm. back to that question of what's rage. the difference between mum rage and if I'm in perimenopause, the classic symptom of that irregular periods is often that first one that people are like, oh, something's changing. Mm. But mm. some people might notice a change prior to that and that mm. might be because of the progesterone gradually. If you and think, like dealing with things less, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. so like normally something that you – you know, in your monthly cycle and you're like, that would just flow off my back. And I'm like yelling and screaming. I'm like, why am I being such a crazy woman? And then I feel really bad about it. Yeah. And it might feel like that PMS is really heightened or like, Mm. um, 
yeah so that potentially is like that gradual um I mean there's a lot of factors it could be but when we're talking about perimenopause that gradual reduction in progesterone that anti-anxiety calming hormone Mm -hmm. is often that first thing And, and I mean lots of women their first symptom might be anxiety or mood disturbances before anything else so but it's it's obviously really different for everyone. Yeah. yeah, depends on age and different factors. Like you said, you go back to lifestyle and all of that as well, and what people are doing with their routine. And mm. yeah, yeah. So something in your role. Sorry, I'm getting carried away. This is what's going to happen. <laughs> so in your role now, if you're working for the public health system, yeah. Is how do people get like? Is it a cost? Can you covered by health insurance? Do you have to be on a long waiting list? Like, how yeah. does it so, work? Um, Currently, my full-time job is a long-term conditions dietitian in the community, and that is, I'm working with the GP practice, all the GP practices in Tatanaki. Yep. So it's a free service, mm-hmm. um, but in that role, I'm essentially like, I don't know, my bread and butter would be like type two diabetes, cardiovascular disease. For um, people that are I love really how that sick. diabetes is my yeah. bread and butter. Like I love <laughs> it. It's related to diet. Literally, my bread <laughs> and butter. Ultimate joke. Like, <laughs> to You're so my bad. That's so my, bad. It's my fruit um, and sugar. <laughs> but then, obviously, like with Fem, is my like little side. Yes. Plus, that's like so that's private, private and that's yeah. um. So someone yeah. that's like perimenopausal is not going to get through to you past the heart and the diabetes, which sounds horrible, but you have to be quite bad to see you in your role um, now. Yeah, well, you have to have a long-term condition. But I guess, I mean, I do see a lot of perimenopausal women mm. because, and I can talk about this soon, but like our risk of cardiovascular disease and type 2 diabetes does go up with those like changes to our metabolism. Is there anything you can do kind of throughout your cycle to, if you are seeing those you know, PMS symptoms or you are feeling really angry as those hormones drop away. Um, for a lot of people, it's like at different times, but like for me, it's always that week before my period. I've mm. talked about this all the time, but like, is there anything you can do kind of throughout your cycle that can help alleviate kind of, you know, like having those drops yeah. in hormones? Um, I think firstly, it depends on how severe those are. If you feel like, cause some people feel like they are, at times like debilitating that mm. PMS and that those feelings that can come about. Yep. If it's like that, it's definitely worth probably talking to a health professional or um, having like a one-on-one consultation. Yep. Mm. But in general, I think firstly understanding like what we just talked about, understanding yeah. what is going on because you're way kinder to yourself and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm having like a withdrawal of hormones that are making me feel yeah, really good. I love that. Track um, your yeah. cycle. Because, yeah. you know, I think understanding that you can be a little bit kinder like, okay, well, I'm probably not going to go do that hit workout and try and do a million and one things. Yeah. I might just take a little bit better care of myself. Yeah. <laughs> not going to socialise. And not try and yeah. do like everything in one day. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, just taking it easy is yeah and I think um fueling appropriately um often before our period we can experience cravings um and so many of us will try and fight those cravings because we're trying to be like healthy Healthy. or we might be restricting but our before our period our basal metabolic rate can increase which is essentially the energy just to live by a couple of hundred calories. Cool, so you can have that chocolate. Yeah. It's, <laughs> our body is literally trying to tell us something. So again, making sure you're fueling right. So like take an extra snack with you or, you know, put some cheese and hummus in your sandwich or like make sure throughout your day you're yeah. actually getting in enough nutrients. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, I think with PMS, there's there's a whole raft cravings, taking care of yourself. Um, there are a few supplements that can help with um, like cramps and mood as well. Omega threes. I've done yep. a post on that. I feel like I bang on about omega threes to everyone about everything, um, but omega threes are like a potent anti-inflammatory. So making sure that we're meeting requirements. So yep. two to three servings of oily fish a week. If you're not doing that or you don't eat fish yeah what's your substitute there a supplement yeah Yeah. I mean we can get omega-3 through things like flax seeds and chia seeds um yeah it's a little bit harder to meet those requirements but yeah potentially that's where a a supplement might be useful um and things like magnesium so like leafy greens and whole grains um can help magnesium can help with cramps but also um, help stabilize mood yeah Mm. um b vitamins also help with um PMS too. There's What's quite a few things. Answers, yeah. A few yeah. things up your sli- up, up, up my sleeve. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> up your sleeve, my sleeve. <laughs> All of our sleeves. <laughs> Just pull them out. I think um, I've heard, I've actually heard that uh, chocolate like. You often will crave chocolate because it's a source of magnesium. Yeah, I don't like know if it's dark, a high, dark, yeah, dark I don't know if it's a yep. high potent form of magnesium, but yep. like sometimes I don't know about it's you, okay. but I never crave dark chocolate. Like nah. I can have one piece. Give me I'm the like, creamy milk. <laughs> <laughs> Whitaker's creamy milk. Yeah, um, pass like. on the dark. <laughs> I mean, you can have one or two, but it's nice but. to believe sometimes. Yeah, yeah totally, for sure. totally. <laughs> <clears throat> um, right, I have one here. Actually, I think you just answered this. I am a non-red meat eater. I have an inflammatory disease. I eat lots of nuts and seeds, etc. Is it true that after menopause, I don't face to worry about much? Don't have to worry. Have to don't have. You love that. Don't have to worry about much iron. Iron. Yes. So that is correct. Um, after menopause, our iron requirements drop to the same as a male, so eight Mm. milligrams per day, but that's after menopause, after being 12 consecutive months with no period. So during perimenopause, it still applies of normal iron requirements, which is 18 milligrams. So go back to that. So the thing that um, sets in stone that you're post-menopause is if you've been 12 months without a period. 12 consecutive months, yep. So if you were on the the 10th month and you got your period, start. Time starts again. Okay, I never knew that. That's really interesting. um, Yeah, so that is once menopause has been achieved after 12 consecutive months. So once that's achieved, yep, iron requirements go down to the same as uh, males, which is eight milligrams. Prior to that, it's 18 milligrams. Um, And I think that's really important to note too because sometimes, or for some women, a symptom might be heavy periods during perimenopause because mm, yeah. our hormones are so like even your a requirements might, might go up in that time yeah. even. Mm. Yeah. And she mentioned as well about not eating red meat. So mm. it's worth noting as well. Um, there's like two types of iron. So we've got our heme iron, which is red meat and like chicken, chicken yeah. and seafood. That's really easily absorbed by our body. So most of the iron content in that we'll be able to absorb. And then our non-heme, which is our plant-based um, like legumes and nuts and seeds and vegetables and pulses and that kind of thing, it will still contain iron, less iron, but we will not be able to absorb all of that. So it's it can be quite hard 
to meet your requirements when you're not having the HEMA. And you can definitely meet them, but it's just something worth noting during that perimenopause phase or any phase if you're experiencing heavy periods and not having heme sources of iron, mm. probably getting your iron checked relatively regular, mm. regularly um, is worth... Yeah, it's good advice. Yeah. yeah. Um, and oh, oh, obviously supplements. Yeah. If, yeah. Because you uh, can't get it through the red meat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Just off the back of that as well, there's a question here from Freya, who very kindly yeah. recommended <laughs> that we get you on. Shout out. And she said, um, good sources of protein, easy lunch ideas. I think that's helpful for anyone regardless yeah. of um, yeah, regardless yeah. of where they're at. So um, protein, obviously the classic ones like your meat, chicken, fish, eggs, um, but also like beans and lentils, legumes, tofu. Uh, edamame beans, Yum. quinoa, nuts and seeds, nut butters, um, dairy. Poor old dairy. I feel like it's a hard time these days. But dairy, <laughs> cheese, um, milk, cottage cheese, that kind of stuff. Mm. Bloody good source of um, protein. Yeah. And I think lunch ideas, I am a massive fan of I cook dinner and I bulk it up and dish up a container. Easy. <laughs> yeah. Two birds, one Easy. stone. Yeah. Um, that always works and I feel like that's really easy. Like, yeah, you could fart us around doing meal prep on your Sunday afternoon, but like mm-hmm. who wants to be doing Nobody, that? Nobody, not me. No. Yeah, so I'm I mean if you're into it, go for it, but I'm personally lazy <laughs> and I don't want to do that. <laughs> the fact that you cook dinner is pretty good. <laughs> I'm, I'm like there's no extra effort required to like chuck in a few extra veggies and yeah. a bit more protein at dinner to then get lunch. Otherwise... The humble sandwich, yeah, can't beat it, or like a wrap. Um, and I think you can have so much variety. I feel like whenever I recommend someone like a wrap or a sandwich, it's like, oh yeah, cool. Um, but you can have we so can much put variety. Into that. Yeah. yeah, as long as you know, if you think of uh, bread having some like a high quality, high fiber bread or a wholemeal wrap, or a, there's really good low carb wraps out there now um, with a really good protein source, and then load it up with some non-starchy veggies for volume, and then get a bit of flavor. Whether it's like hummus or pesto, hummus is or, great. Um, mm, a bit of like feta or something mm. like that to give it a bit of oomph. Like yeah. you can have so Nuts much and variety seeds or something. Yeah. Um, also a big fan of like snacky lunches um especially yeah I feel like I see a lot of people who are time poor or they're busy or they're like on the go or they've only got so much time for lunch mm. there's nothing wrong with having a snacky lunch if you're ticking all the boxes you know yeah. like tell me about um, a snacky lunch <laughs> <laughs> so it I might be like a couple of like rivita crackers with some hummus and cucumber and then like a boiled egg or a tin of tuna or a piece so what of fruit like and some yoghurt. Beauty therapist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can't have eggs and tuna. Yes, true. You know, okay. I like to have this non-smelly foods. Yeah. Because um, I you know, like nice, do not have a nice A nice garlicky break. hummus. <laughs> 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 cool. Oh, good. Yeah, I would be trying to get in the protein somehow. So maybe it might be like cottage cheese or chicken. Ch- chicken. shredded yeah, shredded, shredded chicken, chicken or even some maybe not garlicky but like hummus and some Edam cheese yeah. some veggie sticks um yogurt like mm-hmm. their anchor protein yogurt's really yeah. good source of protein mm-hmm. um okay. cool but it can work i mean in the ideal world we have breakfast lunch and dinner but we don't it's live in the not, ideal world. I don't think so anymore. I just don't <laughs> think that's like a thing it's anymore. Not possible. You just don't like lay out a table and let's all sit and have breakfast and let's all sit. Well, I'm eating on the run all yeah. the time. So eating on the run, like 
it's still just trying to tick those boxes of like a high fiber carbohydrate, a good protein source and some kind of veggies, fruit. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. We do. Um, and when I say we, I mean Sam. We always have the slow cooker on like mm. every week. We always do that. And that kind of covers off like lunch, dinner as well. Yeah. And then it's like high protein. So you're like satiated. Yeah. Just, like add some avocado or maybe some rice or whatever. And like it's Perfect. so, it's so easy. It's easy yeah. for me. Chuck I it do in. It, and but yeah. yeah. Literally chuck it on, cook it for the day or overnight or whatever. And it's done. Yeah. So mm. It's so easy. Yeah. yeah it's so good. Perfect. Um, off the back of that, we've got what are some examples of anti-inflammatory foods? I have endometriosis was told to avoid was told to avoid anti-inflammatory foods. I guess you've covered off pretty much every Yeah, and I'd say food. the the key anti-inflammatories omega-3, yeah, dark leafy veggies, yep. um things I guess it would be focusing on like a Mediterranean style diet really. Mm. Um, mm. yeah. And yeah, like your olive oils, oily fish, um flax seeds, chia seeds, those sorts of things. Um and then also on the other hand of that, being mindful of inflammatory foods. So mm. um, alcohol <laughs> as I'm drinking. <laughs> um, what? Yeah. Say sugar what do you next. mean? It? What about if you just yeah. drink it straight and like no sugar? <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, I wish that. <laughs> yeah, alcohol is probably, probably the key one um, that's quite inflammatory. And then obviously like things like trans fats and high sugar foods. Yeah. Things that we know aren't that great for us. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. do you think about coffee? Off topic, but what do you reckon about coffee? Coffee's great. Yeah. Coffee. yeah. Yes, yeah. I love you just yeah. said that. I think um, it depends, right? It depends what coffee does for you. Yeah. Um, if coffee makes you really anxious and on edge, probably not. But mm. a couple of cups of coffee is is fine. Yeah. yeah. That's, I second that. <laughs> um, I guess like, I just like reading through the questions. A lot of the questions are – how do you know perimenopausal will start? How do you know menopause will start? Like, what do we do about it? There's all these questions that I guess where I am at, I'm 38. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've talked about this before. I have an underactive thyroid. Mm-hmm. So I already have like, you know, like, is that autoimmune? No, it's not autoimmune. Whatever. Yeah. That. Yeah. So dealing with that. And then when you're thinking other things are going on, dealing with stress and that, mm. you know, yeah. it's harder. People wanting to know if they can blame it on perimenopause, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, it's going to be really different for everyone. But how do you know it started? Well, I guess actually just to throw a few facts out there, it can start as early as 35. By 42, 50% of women will have symptoms. Okay. Are Um, you writing this down, Kate? (laughs) (laughs) Can we? After um, (laughs) (laughs) four years, so after four years, 50% of women will still be symptomatic. And after 10 years, 10% of women will still (gasps) be symptomatic. Please not be one of those 2%. Yeah, the average average time of symptoms is about eight years. So it can drag on. Yeah. Um, I think, how do you know if it started? Yeah, it's going to be really different. But going to your doctor and having a talk about the symptoms that you are experiencing, because I think it's really important to firstly rule out, you know, whatever symptom you're experiencing isn't something else, like Mm. thyroid or whatever. Mm. So ruling that out, but also just getting clarity for yourself and having confirmation that it is happening and it is normal and, you know, these are the things that you can do to help. Um. And oh my gosh, I forgot my blank. 
was going to say something else. I've just got on top of that while you're thinking. So like it's quite hard. So is it an expensive test to test your hormones? Because I requested it. Yeah. And they were like, you don't need that yet. And I'm like, no, I want to know. So that's actually what I was trying to remember. um, (laughs) There is no test to confirm perimenopause. But but the levels of your hormones though, right? Like you can test where they're at. They would be different throughout the month. Yeah, and particularly with perimenopause because it's such a roller coaster. Nothing's going to make sense during that time because it's going to be all over the show. So, so there's no there's no blood test that can confirm perimenopause. Um, It would be more going to your GP, and it's kind of like a process of elimination with symptoms, with consideration of age and like family history and that kind of thing. Mm. So, like everything's just not that straightforward. (laughs) Pretty much. I wish I had the answer. Sorry. Hormones. Hormones can actually like depending on when you get blood tests as well. Like even if you get your because we talked about cholesterol on the phone the other day as yeah, well, I yeah. think. And it was like even your cholesterol can be different during different times of – you didn't um, say that. But probably I, not cholesterol, but, I mean, when we go back to, like, what I mentioned before about, like, when we ovulate at peaks and, like, yes. so depending on what time in your cycle you get your hormones tested, they're yeah. going to vary massively, yeah, you know. Yeah, it so, makes total sense. Um, and then you throw Mary, um, Mary Penipores. <laughs> <laughs> perimenopause <laughs> and amongst it it's yeah. just like what the hell's going on yeah. Mm. yeah when that word was thrown around it honestly threw me I was like what yeah no what and yeah. then I'm like well I am 38 it's probably true yeah I think it's cool how more people are talking about it well this is what we kind of want to normalize yeah. like probably f- over 50 percent of the time when I'm in the salon and these four walls yeah women are talking about this yeah what's happening to my body yeah. like yeah and I'm no professional I feel like I know a lot about it now yeah, but yeah. like <laughs> they're all feeling these symptoms yeah yeah I think it's key to talk about it and also just to yeah like normalize it and yeah. also for I guess it's like learning about your menstrual cycle as well but as women actually understanding our bodies a little bit better mm. of when we're you know, what's happening when we get our periods and what's happening during perimenopause and what's happening, you know, like, I think mm. it's so important. Yeah. yeah, yeah, to know where you're at. Couldn't agree more. Um, there's also a question on here. What do I need to know about preparing for perimenopause as a woman with PCOS in Adeno? Okay. That's going to be... Um, a consult. Yeah. <laughs> to unpack, yeah. That's... Um, because, I mean, people living with PCOS, even that is everyone's going to be so different. So this is polycystic. Polycystic ovarian yep. syndrome, sorry. Yep. No, um, yeah, no, You know, like someone living with that, they might not, you know, they might manage all their symptoms versus someone else that might feel completely out of control. So it's it's quite different and how you approach um, menopause or perimenopause might be quite different. So mm. yeah. that's kind of a tough one to answer without having without a... Without seeing someone. Yeah. Cool. No, that's all right. And then a uh, question I just had off the back of what you said before is, um, do we kind of look at look to when maybe our parent, like our parents, not our dads, <laughs> um, when our when our mums went through perimenopause yeah. and sort of look at is that is is that a guide or is it or could it be completely different depending on different yeah. factors or it's definitely worth talking because um, there is strong like genetic components yeah. to that so. Okay. Definitely, yeah. Good answer. Mm. And then, how do we, how do we combat pre 
Oh, sorry, perimenopause. This might be a pre-menopause question. Perimenopause. Yeah. So how do we combat those uh, symptoms and what kind of options have we got? Okay. So there are... I feel like this is going to be quite a big answer. Go for Good. it. Brace yes. yourself, ladies. Nah, you go. Because obviously there's a lot of symptoms that come with perimenopause. Um, if we focused on, um, say, five of the main ones, well, not main, main in my opinion of what, what um, nutrition said. could support with, yep. um, would be like weight gain and changes to body shape, bone health, cardiovascular health, sleep and hot flushes. Mm. Um, So sounds like lots of fun. Yeah, Mm. and I I mean those five are probably quite common but they are also ones that nutrition can support with. So weight, the changes in weight, um, I think the average average weight gains eight kilos – so some women will gain more than that. I know it's and bloody you said cruel. Body shape changes as well. So yes. How, yeah. How does that work? So um, many women will feel like they're gaining weight in the like central in the, mid-drift, in yeah. the mid. Yeah, yep. yeah. And that really comes down to so before I mentioned that estrogen helps us utilize food as fuel more efficiently. Mm-hmm. So with estrogen dropping, essentially we're just not as good at utilizing yeah, that carbohydrate. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, when we eat carbohydrate, it breaks down to glucose and that glucose is our fuel. Mm-hmm. So when it enters the bloodstream, our pancreas releases a hormone called insulin yep. and that's essentially like the key that opens up the door and allows glucose into our cells to then be used as fuel. So what happens when the estrogen drops is we can experience insulin resistance and that is when the key becomes like rusty. And it's not as good as opening up the door. Get the CRC. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Just wherever you want that. If only. Is that the answer? (laughs) What liposuction? Like. Yeah, so essentially the key becomes like rusty, and the doors don't open as well as they used to. And what that leads to is our pancreas producing more insulin so we've got more insulin circulating our blood glucose is higher Mm. and that insulin resistance can lead to more of our food being stored as fuel versus utilized as fuel and that often presents in that like central um, weight gain also if you think of us not being able to use fuel as efficiently um, that can lead to lower energy levels as well and I think that's got like a whole raft of like a roll-on effect essentially because if you've got low energy levels and you get home and you know you told yourself you're going to go for a walk Mm. yeah it's not and it's just a roll-on effect (laughs) and it like feels like shit then you're like I didn't do that yeah and then then it's like like, um you know we often choose poorer health choices when we've got low energy levels mm. and it kind of just has that roll on effect yeah. sleeping well like you said your sleep can be impacted as well yeah we well, add that in the mix is it too. ghrelin the hunger hormone is that what it's called <laughs> yeah ghrelin gril- what is it ghrelin 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 so evil <laughs> don't this Gina oh, I just I love this stuff like really um, chatting to Micah and when we had Becca on I'm like I love these chicks <laughs> I love how much she like, didn't even know what ghrelin was how can I put that? The hunger hormone. Yeah, the hunger hormone. <laughs> the hunger yeah. hormone. Grillin. Um, Sorry, going back. <laughs> yeah, so that's like the weight gain and also we will lose muscle mass. Mm. So um, making sure we're eating enough protein, 
there goes the protein word again. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, so I think pr- but protein is also important for helping with that insulin yeah. resistance. So when we think about how to help with that, it's carbohydrate. We don't need to get rid of it, but it's more making sure it's evenly distributed. We're choosing nice high fiber options, eating it in sensible portions and ideally teaming it up with a protein. Yeah. Um, so that would be the weight side of things. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting because there was a question earlier about how your iron requirements go down like after after once you're in menopause, like full mm. menopause, but that doesn't mean that your protein should go down, right? Like yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and then bone health. So I feel like this one always gets forgotten about because there's more like pressing symptoms mm. um, and it's not something you're going to be like, oh, shit, my bones are getting weak. Yeah, you know, no, I like you just said bone health and cardiovascular, and I was just like, what? Um, well, I just never think about any of those things. Yeah. Like my heart's fine, and so are my bones. So yeah, it's all good. Yeah. And I guess like during this phase, it's probably more like the psychological symptoms that feel well, they are really important. Mm. Um, but it's trying to set yourself up for yeah, like long term health as well. Yeah, um, so yeah, bone metabolism, estrogen again is. Um, heavily involved in maintaining our bone mass so as it drops often our bone mass will drop as well um, and it puts us at risk of osteoporosis so making sure we meet calcium requirements is really important Um, it's actually quite easy to meet our calcium requirements but a lot of women don't because they might have cut out dairy or they might be you know like whatever they're doing with their diet they might be cutting out some of those high Mm. calcium foods Um, I love dairy it's fine to have non- dairy milks it's making sure that they're fortified with calcium most of them are now um but nut milks are so shit definitely yeah they don't hit like a good old cow's milk eh? so what's your (laughs) other source of calcium other than dairy um alternative milks that have been fortified yeah um and Things like well, there's cal- there'll be little bits of calcium and things like veggies and nuts and seeds, t- like yeah, tofu, but not high, not as high as your dairy. Um, and like a serving of dairy would be like a pot of yogurt or a cup of milk, normal milk or alternative milk, like a matchbox size bit of cheese. I don't know why they compare it to that, but yeah, they still um, compare it to that. Eh? Like way back <laughs> in the day, they compared it to the matchbox. I like love to meet someone that eats a matchbox of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Like, who even cuts it like today? Matchbox. And vitamin D is really important too because they work together, vitamin D and calcium. Um, potentially, again, something that's worth getting checked, like talking to your doctor about vitamin D. A lot of us during winter will become deficient in mm-hmm. vitamin D because obviously the sun is the best form of vitamin D. We can't actually get that much from our diet, only in really little bits and it's in an inactive form that our body has to convert. So mm-hmm. the sun's the best. Um, and what else did I say? Cardiovascular health. Mm-hmm. Again, estrogen is involved with having – it's a, got a protective effect for our cardiovascular health. So as it drops, things like cholesterol might go up. Um the really frustrating thing is is that you might be – you know, you might have eaten the same way for quite some time and had, you know – a um, an exercise regime that you've been doing for a while and your cholesterol's never been high and then you go and get it tested and it's shot up, Mm. which is really frustrating because you're like, well, I haven't changed anything. But I think understanding that that can happen and it's normal and it's probably 
your hormones that have resulted in that. Um, but also knowing what foods can be, can be helpful and what foods are probably not so helpful for cholesterol levels as well. Yeah. Um, and sleep. Sleep's a tough one because I feel like you could try everything under the sun and for some women they're just going to be like, no, nah, I can't sleep. Mm, crazy. <laughs> um, what, what is it about the process of perimenopause that disrupts your sleep so much? Is it just that hormone? Estrogen and, yeah. um, and progesterone. So progesterone also helps us sleep, but estrogen is like has that relationship with serotonin and serotonin and melatonin are like buddies. Bros. Yeah, so... Mm with those changes it kind of disrupts our ability to sleep as well um obviously trying to have good sleep hygiene and routines but also caffeine I think being mindful Mm. of caffeine um caffeine stays in our system for eight hours so if you have a coffee at midday it's still floating around at 8 p.m yeah um and it might not necessarily be coffee so it might be black tea dark chocolate um (laughs) green tea you know like there's so many there's caffeine in a lot of things so it's just being mindful of that um and there's a bit of evidence for magnesium and perimenopause helping with sleep too most Mm. of us know magnesium can help but it's just nice to know that there's a bit of research in that particular group of women yeah (laughs) um and hot flushes um yeah they're horrible aren't they again like you could try everything but it, you might still struggle to get it under control. But obviously knowing trigger trigger foods, so usually things like spicy foods or caffeine, hot drinks, alcohol. All the good stuff. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I think yeah. too we spoke about it in maybe the last episode, Gina said something about it, about almost normalising it, making a – not a joke out of it, but like I would just like straight up be like, holy shit, I'm having a hot flush. Yeah. Like you could talk to anyone about that. Someone's got a wife, a mother, a daughter, somebody and not that's, making it embarrassing. No, yeah. it's purely like natural and normal to yeah. do that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I guess I think, yeah, 100% talking about it, making it normal, but I guess, yeah, knowing what triggers. There is also a little bit of evidence around – soy consumption and helping reduce hot flushes um I don't know if I should it's kind of boring but go into uh, it yes <laughs> on to it um, for us soy contains like phytoestrogens have have you guys you know I feel like lots of us have heard about the whole like soy and estrogen relationship mm, mm-hmm, yeah. um so soy has phytoestrogens which so the molecule looks very similar to estrogen um and it can weakly bind to estrogen receptors in our body, um, but it won't act like estrogen. So what that can do is if our estrogen is really high, it can help to reduce some of those symptoms because in perimenopause it can go sky high and then drop down. Right. Um, So it can help to reduce a few of the symptoms. There's a little bit of evidence for it, but it's like, why not? Include yeah. a bit of soy. Mm. Um, so there was a study that um, they included one cup of, I think it was soybeans or so- soy milk, um, and the participants, 60% of the participants reported that they were free from moderate to severe hot flushes. Wow. Which is pretty crazy result mm. for including a bit of soy in your diet. But a mm. tofu. But a tofu, yeah. Um, and there's a, a little bit. <laughs> a sponge cake. Flavour the sponge, yeah. Um, and there is a little bit as well to suggest that it can help lighten periods, which oh. can be helpful, helpful during that time too. Yeah. Wow. But those would be my 
yeah, like the key kind of things that nutrition so might helpful. be able to support with. Yeah. Um, but I think even talking about this, because often people don't realise, again, like how impactful just these small things that we've just talked about, Yeah. Um, you know, how much it can help or yeah, change their day-to-day. Day, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, I actually heard this really frightening stat about how – um, suicide rates in women um, in that kind of period, I don't know the exact age, mm. but that perimenopausal age bracket, the suicide rate goes up yeah. because there's so much going on hormonally. Yeah. You know, if your sleep is affected, you're like yeah. all of these things are Im- impacted um, and it can put you in a really dark hole really, really quickly, I imagine. And if you don't really know what's going on or you don't have that support that you need from mm. someone, that's a really dark place to be. So um, I think it's yeah. really amazing to have this kind of information out there as well. Mm. And someone like you who is so passionate about it and so qualified in that, mm. you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's quite terrifying yeah. that, yeah, you can imagine how quickly you could go like being without sleep oh, for a few yeah. days or but you're already gone crazy, you know? Like, and if you think like going back to that idea of what those hormones are doing in our body and we're feeling more anxious than usual, we're not handling stressful situations or things that might not even be stressful. Yeah. But or they then life throws something feel, really stressful. Then you add in no sleep, Mm. then you add in you're gaining weight, then you add in, you know, like you can see how quickly that can compact. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And then throw throw something that life throws at you, you know, that's heavy or something and then all of a sudden, yeah, it's crazy. So I think it's actually, this has been a really cool chat as well because I think regardless of the age of our listeners or um, you know whether they're males or females because I think males could learn yeah, a yeah. thing or two on how to support you know their partners or, yeah. or, or wives or you know um, or sisters even and I think what you've said in terms of all those things that you can do to support yourself through perimenopause they're actually all beneficial things to be doing before yeah. then yeah. so like to get into a routine or to get into you know like a really good place with your sleep and your food and your intake and your sleep and then when you kind of hit into that period, you're almost like a bit more prepared or mm. you've, you know, you've kind yeah. of set up these really cool rituals or routines for yourself. Yeah, for sure. And I think with like the carbohydrate and protein and I think trying to have a well-balanced, I mean, we're only human. The perfect yeah. diet does not exist. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. But trying to tick as many boxes in that respect without it being detrimental to trying yeah. to tick all the boxes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, is definitely setting yourself up to go in. And I think too, like, obviously I'm sitting here, I'm quite far away from perimenopause at this stage, I hope. Um, <laughs> but um, How old are you? 21? 22? But older 20, than us, 27. <laughs> okay. But I think for anyone we should, again, it comes down to learning about our bodies and knowing what's going on, yeah. um, whether you've got a condition whether you've got really bad PMS, whether you're trying to optimise fertility, like whatever it is, I think understanding... It's a coffee machine, (laughs) sorry. Understanding, yeah, what is going on. Yeah, it's so key, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So how do we get in touch with you? So how are we going to, like, if people want to go further and kind of get a consult or is it just kind of like an Instagram? Yes, so I've got um, my Instagram is fem.nutrition. 
Um, and then my website is dub 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 dot femme. <laughs> Say that again um, in that voice. Dub 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 femme dash nutrition dot com. And the booking is online. Um, at the moment, all my services are virtual, so we do it via oh, yeah, Google cool. Meet. Yeah. Um, and I've got evening times and Saturday mornings at the moment because I am still working full time. Yeah, um, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and. I've actually got a discount code. Oh, yes. Yeah. Show me a while to set that up. <laughs> you. All right. Um, and it. it is BB20 for Whoa. 20% off. Wow. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And um, that will run for a month. Oh, thank you. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. amazing. Thank you very much. So you yeah. heard it here. Yeah. Like, I feel like this is an infomercial now. Yeah. <laughs> Go up to the website, but wait. 20% <laughs> off. 20% off. So that when they check out, they can put that in yeah, the, like, yeah, BB discount. twenty, yeah, and cool, it'll take twenty so percent off. Um, wow, anything. So either initial, I've got a consult like bundle deal that's an initial consult and two follow ups, or just the one off. Awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much for yeah. offering that. Awesome. I have Thanks one more question me. before we uh, before we leave leave you to it, <laughs> and that is, what does life look like when you hit menopause and how like when you don't have those hormones going through your system mm. and up ups is life more calm? Yeah. <laughs> like how does it? What, when yes. it's finished, like? do you mean? Yeah. Yes. Like, so when you're done twelve um, months of no periods. Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah, life I beyond? think that there is there's like another side to it. Yeah. Because I feel like all this conversation feels quite doom and gloom, mm. but there yeah. is another side to it. Um, I listened to a really good podcast by. Dr. Lara Bryden, I don't know if you've heard of her, but yeah. she explains it like perimenopause is like the turbulence before landing into like the calm of menopause. Wow. Um, and she also mentioned that there was studies done and women in their 60s and 70s are like the happiest and feeling most free and calm. So I think... Oh, bring it as, on. <laughs> as doom and gloom lots of this conversation is like... It, and the symptoms can go on for some time. Yeah. Um, I guess with the symptoms, there is help. Talk to your GP if you're feeling like it's affecting your quality of life. But yeah. there is another side to yeah. To cool. Do you think yeah. that plane will land into like Fiji <laughs> or Hawaii no, right? or the Maldives? Can we choose where we land? Yeah. Where does the menopause plane land? <laughs> no, nah, that's awesome. I love that. um, thank you so much, Micah, Micah, for joining that's us. It's been amazing. This thank you me. so much for having me. It's Great been, information. I feel fun. very uplifted. Yeah. And so head over to Fem. Dot yeah. nutrition <laughs> and into your code BB20 for 20% off. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, so Micah. Well. You're amazing. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Give me a gill. Look, I don't want to talk. How you try and press the kid and read it, you was soft. Oh, you know what's capping, homie? You don't know the law. Pedal to the metal, you ain't catching me in park. I just hit the stop. I don't want to speak. Talking all that good, so I just hit you with the plea.